Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are here to talk about England's most depressing soccer team, which is Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, the hits keep on coming. We are here to talk about two games this week, a 2-1 defeat to Aston Villa and a 2-0 victory, which we've all probably forgotten about against Wolves. Uh, joining me this week is my faithful co-host, Ben Daniels. Ben, how are you doing? Wow, I got promoted from sidekick to co-host. Uh, you know, good. Brian's... Brian's on the slopes again this week, so two weeks in a row, you deserve a little bit of credit. Wow, this is a big day for me. I feel like Brian Mason's getting better. <laughs> you had your justice unqualified. <laughs> so speaking of yeah. speaking of Brian Mason, I have to ask: as you look at the managerial candidates uh, laid out before that, pot, the Spurs could possibly hire uh, after Mason's season is finally over, uh, who which candidate would turn you into the Joker? I think the thing that would really send me over the edge, if we get so worried about keeping Harry Kane, we appoint Gareth Southgate, because that's who Harry trusts <laughs> and loves. What I could would... go wrong? How could appeasing Harry Kane with a managerial hire ever go wrong, Ben? Yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> what about you? What, who's your Joker candidate? It, it's it's Gattuso, who's not going to be a candidate, but I swear to fucking God. Well, because it's just like... His teams are not fun to watch. And if we, like, reach into a foreign league and drag him out of, like, you know, the depths of Italy and, and fucking have to watch that shit again, like, you know, like, AVB is like a biker. Like, I just, oh, God. it would If we reach that far and that deep to come up with that, it would drive me out of my fucking mind. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't know, like, we're, we're being linked with, and I, I can't remember his name, and I know if I did, I wouldn't be able to pronounce it, the guy who's uh, the caretaker for Dortmund this year, who I think has been linked with another, like Frankfurt or Stuttgart or one of those teams. Um, but we were linked with him, surely by an agent. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I, he might be a good manager, but, you know, considering he's just sort of in the depths of the German league, and I feel like if you're going to reach for a manager, you might as well reach for someone like Potter, who at least understands how the Premier League works, which is no, you know, I'm not saying we shouldn't go abroad. It's just, if you're going to go abroad and you're going to reach, like, you better get someone with a little more pedigree than Catuso or whoever it is at Dortmund. Uh, excuse me. He, Eden Terzic, or Terzic, however you say <laughs> uh, was was West Ham's assistant some years ago. Oh, wow. So. There's a there's you know, a pedigree for you. That is exactly what you want in a guy who's become takeover at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, I don't know if you know this about West Ham, but they're better than us right now. I try to forget about it every day. But yeah, so he's. I we don't need to go into this, but he's worked under Klopp and Slavin Bilic and Again, Marco Rosa. Could be a good manager. Rosa. I'm just saying, Slavra. if you're if you're gonna reach for the situation Spurs are in, like you better be, that that guy better have something going for him because. You know, like, I, I just feel like Potter's there. If you want a candidate that's a little, you're dreaming on a little bit and you are taking a couple leaps in logic, like, I, I think Potter's your guy because he's at least demonstrated he can sort of play in the Premier League. He can finish not in a relegation spot. <laughs> yeah, big steps. Yeah, Roberto yeah, Martinez is maybe my other, the guy who would make me become the Joker. <laughs> like, I swear to God, if we hire that fucking idiot, like he is. All right, keep Ryan Mason for another season, or hire Roberto Martinez. Where do you fall? Uh, fuck. Silence is definite. Fuck, I, I, I might keep Mason. Like, I just think with Martinez is such. It's just, it, it's like hiring Mourinho, and you just know exactly how it's going to end, and how it's exactly going to end is Nasser Chadley playing fullback, which. Might be preferable to some of the stuff we've seen this year, but it's not exactly what I want to see out of Tottenham Hotspur. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm still not sad we replaced Jose with Ryan Mason. Even though Ryan Mason has not been very good, 
He's not Jose. And there's still some part of me that thinks, well, you know, give him some time. Maybe he'll figure something out. With, with Roberto Martinez, that's not there. All, and we're not going to do a ton of managerial talk this week, but the Spurs are weirdly keeping this one pretty close to the vest. Uh, and if you don't follow ITK, highly recommend it. It's going crazy right now because they are just making shit up. But... Oh, unlike normal ITK standards. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, even by ITK standards, it's pretty spectacular. But My favorite thing about ITK right now is that they're like, hey, oh, we all know it's somebody you're really going to like. <laughs> we don't know who it is. We can't say who it is. But we're all certain. It's, today, I'm, I'm it's not just manager. us. It's Harry's going to love it. That's what we heard today, which is like, okay. Uh, I mean, to me, it's like I just want a manager where – you know, like, I tried to talk myself out of it, but I think deep down in all of our souls, we kind of knew how Mourinho was going to end. I think we hoped there was some more success along the way, but even then, I think we kind of knew how it was going to go. I just want to get a manager where it doesn't feel like a foregone conclusion. Like, maybe it won't work. I don't know. Maybe, like, a guy like Potter, it could be a total disaster. But at least with Potter, there's something to, like, dream on there. You know, even, like, Ten Hag, Ragnick. Like, there's a lot of potential there that you don't know how it's going to turn out, but you could see it turning out in a in a positive way. Whereas like Martinez, you know, okay, we, we get to like the quarterfinals of the FA cup. We finished seventh, you know, like I, I can walk you through that disappointing season now, like without having to have to watch it. Right. We've all been hurt really badly over the last two years. Like we just want to feel happy again. Like yes. whatever that looks like. I just want to be able to like dream once, once more. Yeah. I want to see like Graham Potter have like a surprisingly good performance against Pep Guardiola with a back three and wonder if we're or back five, and wonder if we're, like, revolutionizing world football for two weeks. You know, I just want to, like, imagine that things could be good again, as opposed to just, like, can Roberto Martinez defy my extremely well-informed expectations? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, any manager who has managed for longer than five years is too much of a known quantity. <laughs> <laughs> I can already see the end of the story. Give me... I want I want an assistant coach. I want an assistant coach. Never managed. I want an assistant coach from Scandinavia, who who learned English while coaching in Japan. Like that, that's what I need out of Spurs. Let's be honest. We all want Ted Lasso. Like that's what we're <laughs> looking for. Is a guy who's just going to come in and make you feel happy about like, how bad we are. <laughs> we'll get relegated, but it will be a stirring experience. So, yeah. Ted Lasso yeah, for Spurs just, manager. It's already happened once, guys. Let's go back to the well. Yeah, who who knew that that ad campaign was all we ever wanted? Jesus. So uh, I guess we should dial it back I, from I guess. speculation and talk about the relegation fight we're currently in. The relegation for our souls. Yeah, I, I think it's it's an interesting week because I think you have literally seen the both ends of the Ryan Mason experience this week. Because I think it's very easy to forget how good that performance against Wolves was. Like, it was... I think that was the most fun I've had watching Spurs in ages. And I, I feel like I've said that a few times lately, but it was a really good, comprehensive performance. Like, everyone played really well. I know Wolves are probably a little bit on the beach. Their midfield's been kind of a mess all year. But, like, you know, Wolves isn't a relegation fodder team. Like, you know, I mean, maybe I'm living off of last year a little too much in my brain. But it was a really positive performance. And on the other end of that, we had, I think, perhaps the worst Ryan Mason performance um, since he took over. I mean, say what you want about the City game, but at least there he's playing Pep Guardiola. Like, what's your excuse against Aston? You know, you're playing Aston Villa with, like, a 70% Jack Grealish. It's like, I mean, where we got spotted a goal early on. You know, it's just, it's not good. It was very, very bad. Uh, I think, like, like Leeds is... Again, it's like they're, I think, worse than peak Aston Villa with a, a peak Jack Grealish. But, like, Leeds you can look at and be like, well, Bielsa's a coach who knows yeah. what he's doing. It's a very specific way of playing. And Ryan Mace was a little naive. And, you know, like, and this, new, like new to said, the team. It was new 70% team. Jack Grealish. Dean Smith has done a great job. But let's be real. You know, I don't think he's a, a tactical visionary. No, losing, just, losing to Dean Smith outside of Greensboro is a very disappointing experience for me. So, no, we're, not, we're not going for Tar Heel basketball jokes here? Okay. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't, you don't know that Dean Smith is the name of a very famous basketball coach in North Carolina? Okay. Moving on. If only Brian was here to save that joke. Uh, yeah, no. It, Dean Smith is fine. I, but, yeah, losing to him is not great. Um, I, 
mystified me is like I constantly think when I watch games like or when I watch fans talk about games, I think there's an element where too often we think we know more than the manager. Like we assume we know things and you know, we don't like we don't know what happens on the training pitch. We don't always know what's going on with health of players. But at the same time, like as much as like I don't think soccer fans are as smart as they think they are, like taking out every midfielder who can progress the ball from our starting lineup today is like I, I or, or against Villa rather, not today, but I don't know what he was expecting. Like it, it kind of beggars belief. And it's one thing that like maybe he was trying something about like running the flanks or something, I don't know. But like that he didn't make that change at halftime is like Lo Celso and Ndombele are not fit to play. Like especially like a couple days after an excellent performance from Lo Celso. Like I don't know what he was thinking. And it's one of those things where it's like I'd love to actually you know, sit down and have a beer with Ryan Mason and be like, what were you doing? I don't understand. I mean, I think the general reaction, you know, on Twitter among fans is that the correct one is Ryan Mason's playing his boys. He's playing yep, people he knows. Right. He's playing his buddies, and that's Harry Winks. But he's played Lo Celso all, all year. It's not like he's, I mean, maybe it was like, maybe he just doesn't understand how to manage rotation. But, like, it's not like he's been sitting, I mean, he's been sitting... In Dombele, but he hasn't been sitting Lacelso. Yeah, and you know maybe Lacelso needed a rest. But again, if he did, we have another really great midfielder who could have played. And the reality is, is Harry Winks is just terrible. And I know people have wanted to believe in him for a really long time. He's one of our own. He came to the academy. He had some. Yeah, we saw how much we, see, we saw. We saw how much that counts for this week. Yeah, right. I and mean, we'll get there for sure, but. You know, it's like, it's time to face facts. Harry Winks does nothing well. Like, he's just not good at soccer. Like, he was not... Certainly not, certainly not yeah, not not of the level of footballer that you needed a club like Tottenham. Like, You know, I mean, again, it's like Ryan Mason all over again. Love the guy, but, like, when he went to Hull and got was getting relegated with Hull, I would have been hard-pressed to see him come back to the Premier League unless the team he was on in a championship happened to get promoted. Say what like, you want about Ryan just, Mason. He, he at least progressed the ball. Like, whatever else you can say about him. He at least knew how to move forward with it. Like, Yeah, well, he clearly doesn't understand the need for that in midfield because we're still seeing Harry Winks. You know, but again, so while while that is bad, uh, I am very pleased that he gave Steven Bergvine the chance yes. to play when, you know, Bale was either too old to play too many games in a week or, you know, just needed a break or whatever, it would have been very easy to go back to Lucas or Lamella, who, you know, I think Lamella is almost certainly gone this summer. Lucas is probably gone. God, I hope so. You know, I think it's encouraging to see him say, well, or maybe Daniel maybe tell him, like, look, we still have Steven Bergvine. Like, we need to see what he's capable of. But either way, he gave him a shot and we haven't gotten to see this real attacking, exciting version of this player in years. Like, you know, like since his debut against Man City where he, he scored that one goal, I feel like we've seen a very muted Steven Bergvine. And he was fantastic. He was great. Honestly. He scored a great goal. Um, he was and, like riding you know, tackles like he was in Dombele. Or uh, like he was Dembele. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was fantastic to watch. And I, I know I've said this a lot. It's like, I don't think we understand what he's capable of at Spurs because Mourinho was using him as sort of like a glorified fullback and like seeing him being actually allowed to attack. And I know it's Villa, so I don't want to get like too carried away, but again, like, I mean, I think he's just part of a larger, I mean, they beat us. So like, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely not. right. But I mean, I think it's part of a larger theme and I think he's part of it. And I was kind of glad to see that vindicated this week. It's like, I really, I mean, for all the criticism we're, we're seeing of Spurs right now, like, I think especially outside of the defense, this isn't a bad squad. And, you know, I, I just can't wait to see Bergvine under, like, a manager who's, like, committed to some sort of attacking football. Because what we saw against Villa was really exciting. And it wasn't just the goal. He was constantly threatening, making good runs. I mean, he missed a few things that I would like him to do. But he was constantly in dangerous positions. It was really exciting to watch. Yeah, I mean, it was, for all that's verbal, it was basically his first game of the season playing. Yeah like an attacking player and yeah there's gonna be some rust involved 
You know, I mean, he, he was better than Sun on the yeah. other side, and you know, created our best chances in the match. I mean, yeah, and you know, another encouraging thing is again the continued presence of of Tanganga until he was unfortunately forced off with what looks like probably a serious injury. Um, but you know, even though Jack Grealish was probably not at a hundred percent, he kept him pretty quiet. Like he did his job. He still doesn't really have the attacking oomph you'd want uh, from a modern fullback. But like again, encouraging signs. Glad to see he's getting minutes over Matt Doherty, who again we know what he is. He's not very good. It's not worth wasting the few matches we have left on him. Um, you know, I'm glad to see so many things like the continued presence of Deli Alley. Who, who I thought looked good. good under he was very good. He was very good against Wolves, but I thought he was not, you know, awful. But like, you know, I thought he was decent. Like again, like you don't see why Deli Alley's riding riding a bench all year right now. Like, I mean, it's it's encouraging. It's productive. Yeah, and so as much as I think Ryan Mason is a bad manager doing a bad job at you know winning games and and coming up with a plan to beat opponents. Um, he's largely doing what you'd hope from him is giving some of these guys who are marginalized an opportunity. Unfortunately, one of those marginalized players was Harry Winks, who does not deserve an opportunity. Like, one of the few things Jose got right was ending Harry Winks's time on the pitch for Spurs and realizing how good Tongi Ndombele is and, like, letting him play. And... That's just one area where Mason has gotten it consistently wrong. And every time we've lost, you look at that decision and see and think, boy, a press-resistant, progressive, ball-playing midfielder like Tongi Ndombele sure would have made things a whole lot better. And or, or let's also, like, I mean, just stick someone on the field and break a press and get upfield, like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, he's played Lo Celso a fair amount, and so, like, you know, I don't want to... That's not really a problem. Maybe he needed a rest today. Again, who knows? We're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time, but... And Don Blay's right there. He's very good. And and if he's hurt, you the, know, the club is being very cagey about it in a way that I don't think would make sense, so... No, I mean, he came on, and in the last 20 minutes was great. You know, he was immediately driving forward, moving the ball forward. My point he is... He had that one turn, like, immediately after he came mm-hmm. on, that was, like, just brain-meltingly good. The way he just juked the guy out of his boots and turned, you know, his back to goal into suddenly it's, driving forward and starting an attack. It's like, he does that all the time. Like, it's so... it's You look at so many... And we've talked about at least two of them on this podcast tonight. And we could probably talk about more, but it's one of the things that's both so encouraging and frustrating about this team right now is, like, I don't think between, like, Mason being, and again, this isn't entirely his fault, even though at this point I think it's a little bit his fault at least, um, between Mason not using some of these guys at all and Mourinho not using a lot of these guys properly, like, I don't feel like we've really seen what a lot of these guys can do. And you get any manager in here with some sort of coherent attacking strategy like, God knows what you're going to see in Domboli do if he can stay on the pitch. Like, you know, I think it's really it's, – it's just – I hope we nail this managerial hire because I think this team is – you know, you get a decent center back or two in here. You get another fullback – a fullback or two you can trust. And although we'll get to that in a second, um, how that's harder than it seems. You know, I just feel like there's so many guys on this team who are just primed to blow up um, or at least, like, look a lot more impressive than we've seen. Because I think a lot of the problem is the way Mourinho played them. They were He was so defensive. He was so unadventurous that we really haven't seen what a lot of these guys are capable of. Right. And, you know, you, again, you go back to the Wolves match just two games ago, and you see how little it takes. Just start your best players is half the battle, and they're going to deliver a good performance against a mediocre bad team. You add a little bit of coaching and a little bit of, like, technical – sense and know-how and that squad i think is is capable of competing with you know the best teams in the world top four yeah i think this team is i think i think there's i do not think tottenham finishing out top four from like at least a roster construction perspective is very hard for us to reach next year i think you know you you bolster that defense you get another midfielder or two in here and we got skip coming back which you know we're gonna have to see how he adjusts to being in the premier league but certainly you know, he's the kind of guy you'd want us to be buying out of the championship. 
you know, like, I don't think that we're far off. And you hope we just nail that higher. You can... Because that was always one of the problems with Mourinho is like we're paying him however the fuck many millions of dollars and he's not getting anything extra out of anyone on the squad except maybe Harry Kane. And you got to wonder, do you really need a manager to do that? So, you know, like if you can get a manager in here with this squad who can squeeze something extra out of them, like, you know, it's, it's I think it's a really exciting team. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you look at a, a club like Liverpool who cycling off their PEDs after winning the league... <laughs> You, they've spent most of the season in mid-table. Um, they've had a massive injury crisis. You know, Van Dyke's been out all season. They're they're crossing the finish line with two youth players at center back. Um, and Klopp has them poised to finish in the top four. And you know, like, there's no way you're going to tell me that Reese Williams and Nat Phillips are worse center or better center backs than, like, the six guys we have at Spurs, but, like, they have a coach, and that makes a huge difference. Well, and they also have Liverpool devil magic working for them, but, yes, that is, you're right. Like, that's, yeah, it's, the devil it's, magic is part of it, and, you know, we should definitely consider it, but... But, yeah, it's it's, it's about having a coherent... Play. And even, like, I'll cut even cut Mason a break on that. Like, he is working at a deficit that whatever his other failings is not his fault. Yeah, I'm not blaming Mason for this. It's just, like... Yeah, it's I'm hard. just saying, the the team is there, like the players are there in large part, and a good manager, you know, because we talk is, about is all we're missing. Th- there's a lot of talk among Spurs fans about getting rid of the dead weight, and we'll get to a very prominent member of the Spurs squad who might be considered that in a minute. But like when you talk about that, we're talking about I think, and you tell me if you disagree with this, Ben. I think we're largely talking about squad players. We're talking about guys like Lamella, like Lucas, like Harry Winks. Um, you know, if you're talking in a starting lineup, that's where you just get into the back four, um, and that's a bit of a different matter. But, you know, you get past the back four. I don't think when you talk about, like, the cancerous guys who need to get out of Tottenham, the starters or the guys who are about starters, I don't think they're the names you're coming up with. It's the ancillary dudes, plus maybe somebody else who's a striker. But, again, we'll get to that in a second. I don't think, like, again, like, the guys who need to go, other than some center backs, are not starters on this team right now. And, again, that's not, you know, like, large portions of our defense needing to go is not a minor issue. I want to be very clear about that. But I think it's addressable. I mean, you know, between Kane, Son, Hoybjerg, Adamale, Lo Celso, Deli, like, that's an enviable, uh, you know, front six right there for any, any team um, would be happy to have those guys for the most part. Um, You know, we obviously have players that need to go, but again, like you should be able to make something work. Like, you know, Toby Alderald for all the, the fact that we lost to Aston Villa had a great game. He showed, you know, that sort of elder statesman center back poise um, in cutting out chance after chance, playing the ball the way we know he can. Like, these guys aren't terrible. Like, Dyer even was not uh, terrible. Uh, like, you know, he's. We have got a lot of guys who are good for, like, one bad mistake again, but a game, but. Like, you can coach around that. Well, like, think about you know, this. Again, like, Man U is playing. Like, Harry Maguire went down. That's, you know, the linchpin of their defense. And they brought in, you know, Academy grad Twan Zabi this weekend. And, like, it worked out fine. And it's like, it, you should be able to coach your way around exactly. this problem. And if you I, – I think, like, think about this. You just get rid of Dyer, right? Like, who – sorry, I know you've been a great server for the club, Eric. And, you know, depending on what fan fiction we're writing this week, you're our leftist hero in the back line. But, like – you get rid of Dyer if you let's say we sign Anderson this offseason. You've got a back you got a, you got a you got a group of center backs that's Toby, Anderson, Sanchez, and Rodon. Like that's I think a massive I, I think you fixed a lot of problems right there. There's still issues with that. Mostly Sanchez is still there, and you've got some younger dudes in that in those in that center back pairing. But I think if you just do that, you're in pretty good shape. And then you probably need to go get, uh, depending on how bad Tanganga's injury is, you know, you get a right back. 
you know, maybe get another left back if you really need to. But like, we have Sessegnon coming back. Yeah, we have Sessegnon. You're right. No, so you, you, that's like two moves and a sale, and our back line is, I think, infinitely better. Right there, right there. But at the same time, like we're behind West Ham, who brought in Craig Dawson from relegated Watford, and like these are not better players than we have available. It's just well, and I think you're seeing the real. We're in very good shape. We have very little work to do. To I, well, I think we have different work to do. I think transfer market wise, we have very little work to. Well, not very little, but like there's not as much as I think people say. Because like, you know, we're look at our midfield. We're gonna have like, what do we have next year? We got Ndombele, we got Lacelso, we got Hoybier. That's pretty good to start with. We're gonna have Skip coming back for the championship. I think we're all excited to see him, especially being like that means Hoybier going to have to play every fucking minute of next season. We're heavily doing with Sabitzer, who by all accounts is a bit of a switchblade or a, uh, a Swiss Army knife <laughs> midfielder. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good, like, God, that might be the best midfield depth Spurs have had since I've been a fan. Uh, I, I mean, that's not a bad team. I think where you're seeing the real wreckage of this season, uh, you know, you, you were talking about Dyer and being coached around. I'm, I think Dyer's a little further gone than that, but, like, I think Regulon is a perfect example of, like, I think the coaching deteriorated. He's gotten worse as this season has gone on. This game was. Some of that was bad. Like, you you don't concede that own goal he conceded without a little bit of bad luck in your day. But, like, you know, he's he's been dreadful down the stretch. And I think, especially for a player that young, it's down to coaching. He was excellent in Spain. He was excellent in Sevilla. Um, he was really good earlier in the season. I think, you know, I don't know. I think, I think that's a coaching issue. Yeah, and I think we should be clear. Uh, we haven't talked about this yet. Sergio Regulon basically lost us this game single-handedly with his own goal and his giveaway for the second. Like, he was terrible and has been bad for a really long time. And nobody likes talking about it because he's a wonderful character. And, you know, he does bring an energy and dynamism to the left-back role that we've been missing since peak Danny Rose. And it's largely fun watching him out there, but it's it's been dreadful. But, like, the things he does well, you can understand why he was so highly rated just understand why we bought him and you know i there's certainly no reason to give up on him um you know and between him and sessignon who had a good loan at hoffenheim this season coming back it's like, we have a pretty good situation at left back it's just gonna need some work yeah which is again we keep talking about it i think it's down to coaching like you need a coherent team philosophy at that position right. and or at every position I think we all know that, and so I want to move on because I am tired of talking about Ryan Mason being bad, <laughs> even though I love talking about Ryan Mason being bad. So um, let's talk about, uh, so I think, you want to talk about other people who are detrimental to our team? Yeah, I mean, like, like the fact is, is, you know, we're just, we're all just trying to like, get through the season at this point. Mourinho's gone. We want to see some nice things. Not all of us. not too terrible. Not all of us are trying to get through this season. Some other people have other goals in mind, Ben. Who do you mean? I I would mean our striker, uh, Harry Kane, who, you know, I'm going to, like, I want to frame the conversation like this. At least this is how I see it. I feel like, and I'm coming at this from an American perspective, a lot of us Americans came to soccer, and Ben, you correct me if you came to it a little differently, because it was a little different from American sports, and we didn't have to put up with with some of the same old bullshit as we see in American sports, because a lot of our interactions with our friends that we make and people on social media that we, you know, at least on this podcast, I think we sort of like self-select in a certain way. And I would even say that like a lot of the soccer fans that I interact with are sort of, you know, smarter than a lot of the American, American sport fans. No, well, like, I mean, seriously, like, that's not where I thought you were going to take that. <laughs> yeah, no. So there's this like level of like, we need to empathize with players and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, understand why a guy like Harry Kane might be unhappy. I understand why Harry Kane might be unhappy, but, like, honestly, Harry Kane can go fuck himself over this. Like, I'm very, very irritated. Like, frankly, from a selfish perspective, I don't want to empathize with him. He's, he wants to leave Spurs. That makes me mad. I'm a Spurs fan. But, like, beyond that, I think what, what fucking irritates me is, like, the tenor, if he's not saying it outright, the tenor of these sort of conversations around Harry Kane, or that Harry Kane starts is like, oh, well, I want to win things and I can't do it at Spurs. And it's like, we're not fucking Everton. Like, this isn't a club that, like, ooh, we made it to a quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Isn't that great? You know, we were in a Champions League final. We had two tilts at a league title. You know, we've been in a bunch of semifinals and other cup finals. And, you know, Harry acting like he's some bystander. He's been pulling Tottenham up 
and like hoist them above our level. Well, there is like some level of truth in like he has been one of our best players and probably made us a lot better than we otherwise would have been. Like I'm just tired of this. Like that he's like a fucking bystander and all this. We have built the team around him. We have. Like, the Jose Mourinho thing probably doesn't happen if we're not so worried about making him happy. And he's just like, well, Tottenham let me down. I want to get out of here. First of all, I think it's fucking boring as shit. Like, going to, like, oh, I want to go to a club at City and just be guaranteed to win things. Like, there's a challenge for you. But I'm just like, I don't know. We identify with these players. Like, I'm madder at Harry Kane than I am at Daniel Levy because I don't have to watch Daniel Levy on the pitch every week. And whatever else you want to say about Daniel Levy... He at least thinks he was trying to make the club better. And Harry just wants to go. This is part of why I get so mad at AVB or Pochettino to some extent. It feels like they're quitting on us. And I just don't want to empathize with Harry Kane. I don't want to like, yeah, I understand what it's like to have a job that you feel like isn't giving you the support you need. But I don't give a shit. Like, I'm a Spurs fan. Like, I don't have to make that lot, that like empathetic jump here. Like, I'm just irritated. I, I don't know. There's a lot of feelings I have about this. I'm mostly extremely irritated with Harry Kane, even though I don't think he's going to leave. Uh, I, or at least in the short term, I don't think he's going to leave. It's just, I think it's like, there's something very irritating about this sort of dumb jock mentality coming from someone who, I think, like, he could have a really special and different connection with Spurs fans than a lot of other players get. And that might not mean anything to him, and that's fair enough. But I think there's something just very boring about him, like, sort of throwing that out of the car window and being like, I just want to go to City and win things. Sorry, that was a lot. Yeah. No, I mean... I you know, I, I have a hard time disagreeing. Like, I think Daniel Levy is absolutely culpable in so many ways for not building a better team around him uh, and not investing when we should have and getting too distracted by stuff like the club and sponsorship deals and cheese rooms, you know, to do his job running the football team because he refuses to delegate those responsibilities to other people. And, you know, we've had a team that, like you said, was competing on all these fronts and capable of so many things. And he did not do what needed to be done to make that happen. Uh, you know, but even hypothetically, had we won the league four years ago, had we won the champion league two years ago, um, and we still go through these same shitty two years as Harry Kane's, you know, quest for trophies ameliorated and he's like happy to spend out the rest of his career here or is he still trying to go? I, I am not convinced that any, any number of trophies we could have won unless we became Man City was going to appease that. Um, you know, the reality is, is Tom Brady is his favorite athlete. He wants to be Tom Brady and you can't be Tom Brady at Don Hotspur. Uh, you know, and, and, and like you said, he, he does bear responsibility. He is both a leader on the pitch and off the pitch in this team. And for a club of, of bottlers who, you know, can't win trophies, who can't win cup finals, who can't win semifinals, who fall apart down the stretch and just put the pressure on, like, that's not not on Harry Kane. And for him to say, you know, well, sorry, Spurs, I gave it my best shot, it's like, it's not even that. He's saying, like, why didn't you do better for me, Spurs? Yeah, no, like, you're right. It's not. And there's, like, a level at which I want to say is, like, well, how many fucking goals have you scored in all these finals, Harry? How many fucking goals have you scored in these semifinals? That's not entirely a fair question, but this is an entirely fair thing. It's just, I find it so aggravating. And, like, like Gab Marcotti talks about this a lot. Like, if, like, and I think he's right. If, if Harry Kane wins a trophy, and I don't care if it's the League Cup or the Champions League, obviously there's differences, but... If Harry Kane wins a trophy at Tottenham Hotspur, it's going to mean so much more. It's so much more interest. And I don't think I'm just saying this. Obviously, I'm saying it as a Spurs fan. But I, don't, I think I'm saying this as someone who just enjoys soccer in general. I think someone like Francisco Totti's career is so much more interesting than, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, a comparison. Like, Fernando Torres. Like, I think, I think, like, that he stayed with this club that isn't, like, the biggest club in Italy or Europe that he is, like, identified with them, that he was the best player in the world for a while and on a team like Roma. I think that's so much more interesting. And I think Harry, whether, you know, again, it's like that Charles Barkley, I'm not here to be a role model. Whether he likes it or not, Harry does have a unique connection to the fans of, or to his club. It doesn't necessarily have to be the fans of his club. Amongst, you know, like, players in England. I can't think of many players who came up out of that academy the way he did on the club that 
they eventually became a huge success for. And I think that's just so interesting, so much more interesting than just like going to Man City or Man United or Real Madrid or whatever, which isn't to say those are invalid career paths or choices. But I just feel like we've seen so many players do it. And he just wants to do that. It's just so dull and boring. And I don't know why I'm mad at Harry Kane for being dull and boring. But it's, you know, like obviously as a, I mean, Spurs, like, as a Spurs fan it bothers me. But I think as a football fan in general, it's like you're just foregoing a much more interesting career path for like this just lazy, boring narrative. I don't know. I'm just rambling at this point. No, I mean... You know, I don't think Harry Kane has a responsibility no. to giving us, give us an interesting career. But, you know, the idea that, like, you want a new challenge, let's be real. It's it's more challenging to win at Spurs than it is to go to Real Madrid. When Modric said he wanted a new challenge, like, he he rolled over to Madrid and won four Champions Leagues and a whole bunch of league titles. There's nothing challenging about it. But he won a Ballon d'Or along the way, and you know, kind of got recognized as the best, one of the best players in the world for most of a decade. And so, you know, when you're Harry Kane, I get that you want that. And unless Spurs are regularly competing for the title in the Champions League, he's, you know, Matt Letizia is like his best case career scenario. Uh, I don't think, I think that's like, yeah, he's probably not going to win a European cup or something at Spurs, but like, you know, Spurs are in a position to win shit. And, I, I think that's part of what bothers me is like you say the Matt Letizia thing. It's not like like I get like I said we're not Everton, we're not Southampton. It's not like Spurs haven't put Harry Kane in very good positions. Now you can it is fair to question if they can continue to put him in those positions, but it's just sort of like we've had this disastrous two years, which I think Harry Kane bears at least a little responsibility for in terms of why we hired Jose Mourinho and how long it took us to fire Jose Mourinho. And it's just sort of like man, why did you let me down, Tottenham? Like you know, it's sort of it's it's just. I don't know. It really pisses me off in a way that Modric I mean, didn't. If you look at like the arc of the last few years and Harry Kane's involvement in them, you know, Kane is a guy who we have just bent over backwards to accommodate in so many ways. When Harry Kane got injured and wanted to come back early from an ankle injury because he wanted to win the Golden Boot, you know, on some level, like yes. Pochettino and Daniel Levy should have said, no, you're hurt, you shouldn't be playing. But the fact is, is they didn't, because of who Harry Kane is and the space he occupies at Spurs, not just because Pochettino is a negligent and irresponsible manager who risks his players' health for the for the good of putting points on the board. But Harry Kane it was happy to, you know, sacrifice the good of the team and the good of his long-term health for that kind of immediate moment. You know, fast forward to the Champions League final in a run that he was not present for because he was hurt. Um, and then went right back in the team where he was clearly unfit for that Champions League final. And if you, you know, want the team to win a trophy, you maybe check yourself out and say, you know what, I'm not ready. I'll play as a sub. Uh, it's the best we can do. Like, I remember when Atletico Madrid went to their Champions yep. League final against Real and Diego Costa started and had to come off injured in like the first 10 minutes. And just put Atleti in a hole from from the get go, and like you know, I think there's a lot of people who are responsible for that. But like Harry Kane has has a pattern of doing this over over his career. That's been very frustrating to watch to watch him hurt his body because he doesn't have the good sense to to take himself out of matches. Um, and you know, and so then again, after the Champions League final goes bad. Harry Kane, along with the rest of the squad, quits on Pochettino, and Pochettino goes. The best manager we've ever had. The guy who gave Harry Kane his start. Harry did not did not back in the degree that you would have liked. Um, I think which would have been for the good of the club. Um, and if Harry Kane says, Daniel Levy, I I want Pochettino to stay. I will make sure that the players you know get back behind him. Like that matters. That means something. And we didn't get that. Um, and then, you know, Levy found himself in a situation where appeasing Harry Kane and making sure his star players had the kind of manager that would make them want to stay at Spurs was, was hired. And, like, not to discount that Mourinho is a Daniel Levy vanity project who he's wanted for a long time, but Jose Mourinho at Tottenham Hotspur was there to appease guys like Harry Kane as much as anyone. That was absolutely and part of when, Levy's thinking and the, the reason we hired Mourinho. When, 
when it became well apparent that Jose Mourinho needed to go, the last man backing him was Harry Kane. Again, not to the good of the club, but because he was having the best goal scoring and assisting year of his career. And it's just like he has never not put himself first and his goals as an individual before the club. And I don't begrudge him that because, again, you're an athlete, your career is only so long, but it's been very easy to pretend that because he's a homegrown lad who's been at Spurs for the last 17 years, that he loves the club the way that we do and wants to put the club first. And I think the reality is, is like he hasn't and isn't going to when push comes to shove. And it's, and go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, it's like, he's still a professional athlete. And I, I think my feelings of anger and sadness are because of my own stupid delusions that like, it was somehow different. It meant more to him yeah. the way it means more to us seeing him. And but he traded on that. Like, I mean, he's absolutely traded on that. Like, I mean, again, like it's, it feels a lot like Charles Barkley saying, I'm not a role model. Like, well, fucking, you know what you are. Like, come on. Like, right. You know, the space you occupy here. Yes. Yes. And you've used it. And it's like, again, I don't want to imply like I'm ungrateful for what he's done for the club. Cause I think the idea that to, to imply that like, he hasn't elevated Tottenham Hotspur is ridiculous. Like, I, he has absolutely made us a much better club, and we are way better off for it. And you know what? Like, it's selfish on some level. I mean, like, I want him to see. I want him to be that thing that he isn't that we want him to be. But it's just, like I said, this it's this, like, him coming out and doing this kind of poor me routine and a lot of the media being like, well, Spurs fans owe it for him to go because hasn't he given enough? It's like, no, fuck you. Miss me with this shit. Like, I'm so tired of this, like, you know what, it's like, like, if we had, like, a David Stern rigging our league, like, football's better off with guys like Harry Kane at at clubs like Tottenham Hotspur. And I know this is coming from a place of self-interest. I don't want to pretend it isn't. But guys like him at clubs like ours makes football more interesting and it makes it better. And him going to a club like City or United or whatever is just, like, fucking dull as shit. And it's not fun. And it's frankly like, you know, like we're like how many weeks out from this ESL thing? And like now we're seeing people just being like, oh, like, because it's funny to make fun of Spurs. Wasn't it great if like their best player just wants to go to one of the richest clubs? Like, I know that we're hardly poor here, but it's just, I don't know. It's like, I don't feel like this is the same as when Modric and Bale left. We are on a level. And again, like Bale, like, or Kane is totally within his rights to question where we're going for now. Like, absolutely we have fucked some shit up over the last two years but like this is not you know we're not barely scraping into top four every now and then like we were in a champions league final two years ago we almost won the league twice you know we've been in a bunch of cup finals and semifinals in england like this is not like it's not like tottenham are not putting harry kane in a position to succeed the thing that really sticks to my craw about it all is season's not over yet man mm-hmm. like he is his people were leaking in the press. He sat down for an interview with Gary Neville. Like he is talking actively talking up his desire to leave this team before the season's over. And like, I understand it's basically over. We're just playing out the string. Like we talked about, but like top four was still on the cards a few weeks ago. Europa league, Europa league is still on the cards right now. It's probably not going to be now after we lost to Aston Villa, but you know, these things like we still had stuff to play for. And that kind of conduct is just just so disappointing, and it really gives a lie to how much you know he gives a shit about winning, about all this other stuff. It's 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 like you know, look, look. If he ends up staying at Spurs, like I'll get over this. You know, one day, if, if, even if he leaves Spurs, one day I'll get over this. But it's like it just. I'm just so there's like a level of bullshit. I'm just like not prepared to sort of swallow. And to watch like the sort of like media free media and other fan like sort of feeding frenzy on it is just like really rubbed me the wrong way. And like even seeing some Spurs fans because everyone's so mad at the club right now, an anger which I think is largely related to results. But you know it's just like everyone being like, oh well, why wouldn't you want to leave? You're him. Well, I'm not him. Like you know, it's it's the corollary of like it's not my you know, money when I talk about Spurs. I would Spurs. not want to leave if I was him. I'm a fucking Spurs fan. Yes. I've been a Spurs fan as long as he's been a Spurs fan and I got the opportunity to play for this team and be, you know, a vice captain and, you know, you're 
about to lead England into the Euros in, in a couple months. Like, I don't that yeah that to me as a fan that would mean more yes and that's again is what i think we're all having so much trouble with is like well harry kane's a fan he's been with his team for fucking 17 years like why is he not approaching it with that same mentality because that's how we would all feel and maybe that's not fair to him but i don't give a shit like it's just Right, like you know, I, I fully acknowledge it's better for his career. Like the the world of football means there are like six clubs who are going to compete for trophies every single year, and we're the biggest teams in the world who are going to win the Champions League, we're going to win the league, and you know, a good player who wants to be in you know Messi and Ronaldo conversations, like yeah, you gotta gotta do it at those teams, and I don't think he is capable of having that kind of honest conversation i would respect him more if he came out and said it just like that um even though we all know that's kind of like what the subtext is but i, I don't know i just to me it's it's, it's I mean, again we've, we've talked about this we're going in circles he's got a chance to be a really special player in the game and you say the Letizia thing but like i think there's something to that and i think like sheer like the reason we all remember sheer so well is, i mean he's got the scoring record no one fucking talks about Alan Shearer winning the league at Blackburn. Now, maybe that, like, scratched an itch for him where he could just go to Newcastle. But think of him playing at Newcastle where he was, like, a fan of that team. And, you know, I think, you know, it is different than a Modric or a Bale who never had that kind of connection with the club. And I think, you know, it's like that you would throw that away. And I understand that, like, Spurs are just not in a position to succeed like a team like City or even a team like United. But that you would throw that away so you can go be like a Robin Van Persie who won the league on a team whose fans like will probably barely remember he ever played there. You know, as opposed to like, say what you want about how much Arsenal sucks. Like, I think, like, I would rather have, if and again, Robin Van Persie didn't have a connection with Arsenal fans in the way that Harry Kane did with Spurs fans. But like, you know, you think about guys like Fabregas and guys like Van Persie who undoubtedly saw more success with the teams they left the Arsenal for. But they, like, like you talk about legacy, which is something I absolutely think Harry Kane gives a shit about. Like, their legacies definitely got diminished because they left Arsenal. Like, and I don't like comparing us to Arsenal in this regard, and I don't think we're about to trail off like they were, although maybe we are. But, you know, I think those are examples of, like, if you really care about how you're remembered and how you're perceived, you know, if he goes to City, it's just he's just another fucking brick in the wall. If he stays at Spurs, even if he, all he wins is like an FA Cup in two years, like it's always going to mean more. You know, if he win, if he breaks the scoring record at Spurs, it's always going to mean more. Now, maybe he doesn't care about that. Maybe he's fed up with Daniel Levy and all this other stuff. But I don't think that's what's going on here. And it's just there's something very disappointing about that to me. About a player with this kind of connection with the club chooses to not value it. it it's 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 disappointing. And I'm not saying he should just eat shit from Spurs all day long and just take it because he's a Tottenham guy through and through, but you know, this just feels fucking lazy to me and I'm saying that as a Spurs fan, but You know, I mean I think there's there's two very recent examples that Harry Kane can look at at Spurs in Sol Campbell and Lovely King, and Spurs fans are not the only ones to look at Sol Campbell and think he's a piece of shit, and Spurs fans are not the only ones to look at Lovely King and think, you know, what an upstanding guy and you know, Sol went to Arsenal. He won trophies. Probably wouldn't have done that at Spurs. And I, you know, he's—I don't know if he's happy with the decision he's made, but I guarantee you that his legacy is worse than the Leslie Kings, despite the differences say, in their careers. Say, say what you want about those choices. You're you're absolutely right. Every week at the 26th minute of a match, people sing a song about Leslie King, like. When does Saul Campbell come up in a way that is not mildly embarrassing for Saul Campbell? Like, I'm not even talking about Spurs fans. Like, Saul Campbell is just, like, largely a joke. And I understand, like, it is probably some sort of adrenaline high when that trophy that you and I can't sort of conceive of and that they live for. And that might be all the satisfaction he needs. But if you care about legacy, I think there is something about being a one, be, being identified with a club that you played most of your career for that I think is w wildly underrated amongst athletes. Yeah, and, and like, I think part of the situation that we haven't really addressed yet is that he's probably not going. He has another three years left on his contract. He's going to cost a lot of money during a time when people don't have a lot of money. 
it's going to be very, very hard for him to leave. Um, well, there, there is no way. Daniel but, Levy is like, like could not could not be in a worse situation right now. There's no fucking way he is going to sell Harry Kane this summer unless someone offers him 500 million pounds for him. And that ain't happening, so. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I think about other other moments, you know, like when, when Gerard was You're right. heavily linked with, like, with Chelsea. Gerard was going to leave. He almost and left. that was almost happened and didn't. And I, I'd be surprised if he regrets not moving, you know, knowing what a. Yeah, but you would argue like he won. He won a European Cup, like you know. So like, no one's ever going to say like you didn't win enough, you know. Like, and you wonder like what would have happened if Harry Kane had won that European Cup, like you said earlier, Ben. Like, is would it have mattered? No, my guess is we would have been here sooner or later, regardless. And it would have been another argument that also helped. I mean, again, you know, the the Chelsea move was after Istanbul, like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, you know, hey, you know, maybe we get the Ewing theory in action, just like (laughs) Gerard had, where he finally retired and then Liverpool won the league. Maybe, maybe we need to get rid of Harry Kane and move on. But I mean, okay, just like we did for Bale, and it frankly took us up another level, despite that sale being bad. I, I think like the best case scenario here for Spurs fans would be, you know, okay, Harry's not going anywhere this year. We hire a new coach. We nail the hire. We, we give him some support in the transfer market. We're really good next year. And Harry's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to buy in. This is, I like our new manager. You know, Roberto Martinez has made me a believer. <laughs> um, you know, you know, I'm really impressed with these teammates we brought in. Like, fuck it. I'm going to stick around at Spurs. Like, do you think any less of him in the long term if he just one way or another just ends up staying around? I mean, I think I'll get over it, but like. I no, I, I, no. I, I mean, you know, when Modric pissed off Levy and was like trying to go to Chelsea that summer and put his head down and said, "I'll give you another year and we'll sell you to Real Madrid in a year," I did not feel bad about Modric dipping out on us. Uh, let me rephrase that. I mean, if Kane ends up sticking around, if he gets like, oh, if, even better. Yeah, you it wouldn't bother you. This, I mean, I think I'll get over this event. Right now, I'm pissed, but like. A lot of that, some of that's down to my own expectations. Like, I thought Harry Kane values connection with Spurs, which, again, I think is very unique. I don't think there's a lot of players that have that kind of connection with the club and the fans. Um, I thought he valued it more. Um, I think that will always stick in the back of my mind, but I'll probably get over it. Um, You know, I'll probably even get over it if he leaves. Like, you know, looking back at it 20 years later, I'll probably be fine with it. But there is just something disappointing about this. Like, he has something very rare in world football. And I mean, like, Spurs fans were furious when Bale left. And fast forward, you know, even about that, a decade. I feel like that was different because it was even then it felt like a graduation to some extent. Maybe that was just me, but like he's going to Real Madrid, he's bigger than us. We weren't doing the things we've done over the last few years. Like this feels different. Bale didn't have that connection with the club. This feels different. I mean, it it is different. I'm just saying people were at the time pissed at Gareth Bale and were like, fuck Gareth Bale for ditching us. He was on a billboard in Times Square. We, you know, we had done what we had done um, under him. We made, you know, that great Champions League run, whatever. And fast forward a few years, and he comes back, and nobody is sad that Gareth Bale came back. Everyone is just thrilled to see him again. And, like, you know, I think people look back at, at Berbatov and Robbie Keane and Modric with, with a fondness that did not exist at the time he left. So... I think our capacity to get over this shit is is pretty. Yeah, pretty good. I just those guys, I think like I said, different. Kane Kane has a different relationship with our fans, and even Bale. I think the important thing is is less what Kane's relationship is with the fans, which is true, but is our relationship with the club. And I think yeah. there was a long time there where players using us as a stepping stone was an unfortunate inevitability of where we were in the football hierarchy. And I think we all told ourselves a story that the last couple of years proved to not necessarily be true is that we had made it, you know? And like, honestly being part of the ESL seemed to signal that, that, you know, we were in that 
top yeah. echelon of clubs. Whatever yeah. else you thought about ESL, it, it, yeah. You know, like, you know, yes, we're not Real Madrid, Barcelona, we're not Man City, but you know, we're still a big deal, and players don't have to leave Spurs to get what they want. They can make Spurs what they want, and I think that's another part of this equation that I think is really hard to swallow. Is not just a guy who was born here leaving us at just as he's recovered, you know, the peak of his powers. Uh, it's also just a real slap in the face of our illusions about what we could be and should be, you know, if things were a little bit different. And it's just really, really hard to face that. Yeah, I just got, I, I don't know about you, but watching him, like there was him walking around, really taking it in at the stadium and all the, like it was hard to tell if he was crying or just sweaty, but like I got real mad watching that. Like it was just like, Oh no, you're going to leave all this behind and you're sad about it. If only there was something you could do to not be sad about this. Like it's 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 funny cuz like again, if those comments hadn't come out, I think that's the thing Harry Kane would have done anyway. It's like, "Oh, fans are back. It's the last home game yeah. of the season. Terrible season." He probably does the exact same thing. But you're right, with the context of everything else, it's like, you know, the fucking commentators are like, "Is this the last time Harry Kane's going to be in front of his fans?" That's my version of uh, English commentator. Uh, you know, and it was just like that whole experience of it was just fucking nauseating to yeah. watch. And just like, blow it out your ass. Patronizing from everybody and like, ugh. You either care about this or you don't. And like, don't play. Like, you want to go play for Man City. Like, do not pretend to me that you care about this stuff. Like, there's, I think you're, even with all the things we've done, I think if a team like Real Madrid came in hard for Kane, I think I wouldn't take it great. I take it better than this because Kane just wants out as opposed to like, at least with Bale, it was like Real Madrid was trying to break down the door to get Gareth Bale. You know what I mean? Like at least there was that. It felt like a graduation on some level. This just feels like he wants out and it's harder to take, you know, between that and sort of what he means to us. And it's just, I don't know. I I, I don't know why it's like, it's not like I don't know what athletes are. It's not like I don't understand how sports work. Like, I shouldn't be this stupid. I shouldn't be this naive. But here we are. Yeah. Stupid and naive. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I'm alone in that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Fans are pretty pissed at Spurs right now. And I think that this is not helping. Uh, you know, which is... I don't know. It's It's been a couple shitty years. I don't think we're that far off from good times. Especially if we can hold on to Kane. Which I don't think is... For all the stuff we just said, I don't think is the most impossible outcome. You know, Kane sticks around another year, and, um, you know, Kane sticks around another year, and we end up, um, you know, keeping him around. I don't think it's the most unlikely thing in the world. It's, I think we're going to sell him. If we do sell him, it's going to be for so much money that we're, we're better suited to spending that money than we were when we sold Gareth Bale and had to buy, you know, that Magnificent Seven that was less than magnificent. But, you know, our, our last two big ticket purchases who I realize haven't delivered the way that we'd like, but Los Celso and Dombele were very good players when we bought them and remain very good players when we get to see them. Um, the kind of money we're going to get for a sale of Harry Kane is important. You know, when you look at the way Liverpool turned Coutinho into Van Dyke and Allison and the, the reshaping of the squad that you're able to do with that money, um, now they're obviously a much better run club than we are, but I think it's easy to forget that we are better than we were the last time we were in this situation in terms of making and identifying those signings. And, you know, I think looking at the success of a club like Leicester versus Spurs in the last few years, when Leicester won the FA Cup, I saw a lot of talk about how smart Leicester were to flip guys like Conte and Mares and, you know, Danny Drinkwater uh, and Chilwell into the, the money that, you know, bolstered the squad back into a team that could still compete for top four every year and still, and, and, and win an FA Cup. Um, and acknowledging that a big part of Spurs' failure over the last few years was not doing that with guys like Erickson, with guys like Toby and Dyer, uh, you know, Dembele, who we let kind of leave 
after he fell apart. Um, and while acknowledging that that is a necessity for a club at our level to refresh the team and, and move forward, once that theory is put into practice when it comes to Harry Kane, I don't think a lot of people are having that same conversation about, yeah, this is the kind of t- thing. You sell a guy for 120, 150 million pounds, you know, that's refreshing the squad. You can get a, you know, Tammy Abraham from Chelsea or a Patson Daka from fucking Eastern Europe. Like, it's, there's guys out there that we could, if we buy well. There is something hard like, about replacing a talisman, though. And I think that's worth, like, you know, there's a difference between, like, flipping Erickson for a better midfielder or whatever and, like, replacing Harry Kane. And I'm not just talking about in terms of production. I'm talking about just, you know, it's like, that leaves a huge hole. And But, you know, that's something, again, I think if you, if you manage that other stuff correctly, you don't have to flip Harry Kane. Like, one of the advantages about being where Spurs are in the table is, okay, you probably do need to flip some guys occasionally in the way Lester does. But also, you could probably hold on to some other dudes. I mean, look, I think the reality is, is if we sold Harry Kane and bought Jaden Sancho, Tammy Abraham, and a good center back, we're a better team. As much as I would be sad to lose Kane and be pissed that he's leaving us, like, there is, there are players who are going to be on the market for sale that we could buy. Now, Sancho's probably out of our league. He's probably going to a better team. Jack Grealish is another guy who, like, again, has had a tremendous season this year and is one of the best English talents out there. Like, you could do a lot with that money to make this team there better. Is, there but is something... The feeling... Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, there's so many bad feelings about every other aspect of the club that I think nobody believes that that would get done in a way well, that I think, makes us better. Well, I think so much about it is like... Again, I think it feels worse than it is, and maybe I'm just saying that as an American but um, who doesn't have to go to games, but... Like, there's so much dumb shit, but I feel like the fact that we're just, like, we've been such a mess on the field just amplifies everything else. And, yeah, I really do think, like, I was a little surprised how angry everyone was about the match on Wednesday. Now, again, last match of the year, only time fans were going to really see Spurs at at a home game this year. I I understand why this match would have been frustrating, but sort of, I I don't know what y'all were expecting when we hired Ryan Mason as a manager, but I thought we were going to get games like this. Maybe not, I didn't predict, predict the exact shape of it. But man, people were pissed in a way that I was just like about just about the performance. I mean, not, I'm not even talking about all the other stuff. In a way that I was a little surprised by because I was just sort of, I, I guess I expected dumb shit like this to some extent. Honestly, I think that goes to some of that like mental disconnect we're, we're seeing with Kane. Is hiring Ryan Mason was such a you know as I said on Twitter a good vibes hire, and seeing us win games with him in the dugout after the toxicity of Jose Mourinho just felt good in a way that we are so unused to and you know seeing Harry Kane one of our own top scoring in the league year after year and being the one to carry us to these heights means more and feels better than if it was just some guy but I think the flip side of that is they still have to be winning games and taking you to the place you want to be or those good vibes rapidly are just not enough to keep people happy. And as much as we all feel glad to see Ryan Mason in the dugout than Jose Mourinho, Ryan Mason is still not a good manager yet. He might get there, but he's not. And we, to watch us lose games like we did to Leeds, to Man City, to now um, Aston Villa, is is more important than, than all of like the happy clappy stuff you get from like seeing a kid who's had, you know, a real rough time with injury coming back into the, you know, into a coaching career. Oh, no, I, I get like, that. It's just sort of like... No, I'm saying it's like, that is not enough when push comes to shove. Like, you want to win matches. You want to see your team be good. And whether that's Harry Kane out there and Ryan Mason in the dugout being good or a fucking Chelsea Academy product that they were stupid to get rid of, like Tammy Abraham, who comes in and scores 25 goals en route to, you know, Spurs actually winning something, I don't think we're going to care that it wasn't Harry Kane doing it. I think I think we would have wished it was Harry Kane doing it, but at the end of the day, winning games, winning trophies, and doing that stuff, just like for Harry Kane, is, going, is what's important to the fans 
And like you'd like to have all those things, but I think when push comes to shove, it's winning. It's winning that matters for everybody. So in conclusion, fuck Harry Kane is what we're trying to say, right? Yeah, I fuck all of us. Really. <laughs> Nothing matters. Eat Arby's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it sucks. It's it's not fun. I, I'm honestly, I just want us to hire a new manager very quickly after season over because at least then I can spend like three months being unreasonably positive about Roberto Martinez's plans for Tottenham Hotspur. That's right. Summer's the time for dreams, baby. I, I, I gotta say, it's, again, there's not much new to talk about. We talked about managerial stuff, I think, as much as we're going to. But, like, aside from Roberto Martinez, all the names are positive. They're the kind of names I want to see. And it's sort of like, if we're looking at what a mess we are right now, that, to me, is at least a good first sign you know, we'll see who we actually hire, but it's a good first sign that, like, maybe we're going to start fixing shit. You know what I mean? I'm, it's, it's, I'm not, I'm not speaking about the other off the field stuff. Like, Levy admitted some fault for what had happened in the, in his little now end of the season, uh, thing in the, in the program for this, this Villa match. But, you know, at least if we just hire a smart manager that makes sense, like, even if it doesn't work out, I'll feel better about the decision making process going on at this club. I mean, there's a lot to deal with right now, and Daniel Levy is notoriously bad at delegating, so he's going to have to deal with all of it, but you just want to see some of those problems get solved quickly in a way that makes you feel like the rest of them will get solved in due course. And nobody feels like that. There's just too much bad. Hire a good manager, bring back the cheese room. That's it. That's all we need. Solved it all, baby. Ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Comrade Spurs. You can find our podcast on Twitter at WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. Uh, our colleague Brian Ashlock isn't here, but you can find him at Brian underscore Ashlock on Twitter. That's Brian with a Y. You can find me at Skipjack0079 on Twitter.com. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you very much. For Ben, for Brian, and of course for Brett Rainbow, I have been your host Greg. Thank you very much, and come on you Spurs!